A lot of people are making a lot of money keeping you afraid of the Wu flu, but you don't just need to take my word for it. You can hear it from a CNN technical director himself who was caught on hidden camera thanks to James O'Keefe and Project Veritas. Sad news doesn't do well with ratings, you know, like if you can get someone in passion, that does really well with ratings. Sad news back to back to back doesn't do really well unless it affects them directly. COVID, gangbusters with ratings, right? Which is why we constantly have the death toll on the side, which I have a major problem with that we're tallying how many people die every day. Because I've even looked at it and be like, like, look at it and be like, let's make it higher. Like, why isn't it high enough, you know, today? Like, it would make our point better if it was higher. And I'm like, what am I f- rallying for? That's a problem yeah. that we're doing, you know? Like, the special red phone ring. Yeah. And they pick it up. And it's like the head of the network being like, there's nothing that you're doing right now that makes me want to stick. Put the numbers back up because that's the most enticing thing that we had. This poor schlub got caught on the sting. I think this was at like a Tinder date or something like that. But he told the truth. And he's not even, it's not even him admitting I'm a terrible person. He's saying, I, I feel bad about this, but this is what the network wants because this is how the network is going to make a lot of money by manipulating you. And they're not the only ones. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from Aslan Mitchell, who says, if I had a dollar for every time Michael plugs his book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, I would be able to buy Acre Gold bars in bulk while sitting in my X chair. That is true. Does it count as a plug if I'm reading somebody else telling me about the book? Does that count? It, okay, it does. All right, I'm going to talk. I'll have to dispute this with the producers after the show because I feel it's not as though I brought that up, but it is true that the book is available now for pre-order. Uh, and I, I hope you enjoy that. I hope you're feeling good. I hope you're feeling healthy and well and excited for the book. One great way to feel healthy and well, Nutrisystem. Nutrisystem is simple and convenient with delicious meals delivered right to your door with little to no meal prep required. That means no shopping in busy grocery stores with Nutrisystem, you can lose up to 18 pounds in your first two months. The plan is clinically proven to put your body in fat burning mode and helps you achieve safe and healthy weight loss. Nutrisystem helps you lose weight and learn how to keep it off. They have a top rated app called Numi for extra motivation to help you stay on track. You get unlimited one-on-one coaching. Order Nutrisystem now. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash Knowles to get 50% off. That is Nutrisystem.com slash Knowles. The thing I really love about these guys, it is uh, really good tasting stuff. So I've got friends who go on these crash diets, you know, and they'll only eat one type of thing for six months and they lose a lot of weight. And then what do they do? They gain it all back. It's probably not the healthiest way to do it. Nutrisystem, you don't have to worry about that craziness. You're going to be eating good meals. They're balanced. They will help you take some weight off. Nutrisystem right now. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash Knowles to get 50% off. A lot of people making a lot of money hyping up the woo flu, but it's not just about the money. It's not just about cynical corporations squeezing another dollar out of sensationalism. That's the the story of journalism. There is a political agenda here. There is an ideological agenda. The corporate media are making a lot of money. The politicians are amassing a lot of power, but it's all on the same sort of thing. Libs in the government 
are hoping to inflate the COVID numbers. This is not some crazy conspiracy theory. This is a simple matter of incentives. Chuck Schumer and AOC have just announced a new program to give $9,000 to the family members of people who have died from COVID. And if your family member doesn't have COVID listed as the cause of death on the certificate, don't worry, they say. You can have it added after the fact. Today is the day. The hotline is open. And um, because that hotline is open, you can call into FEMA and you can start this process today. Now, we know here in New York how tough those early days were. We couldn't even get tests here early on. It was something that was for celebrities and the privileged in those very early days. And so uh, we, we have been, Senator Schumer and I have been working with FEMA. We've been on the phone trying to get as flexible and accommodating circumstances as possible. So here's what families need to know. Your loved one should have COVID on their death certificate. Anywhere listed on their death certificate, either as the primary or contributing cause of death. In those early days, though, we know that so many people, we didn't know what was COVID and what wasn't. And so there are several options available here. One is that you can go back to the institution that issued the death certificate, the hospital, the physician, etc., and you can have your death certificate edited uh, in retrospect, knowing what we know now about COVID. This is so, so clever. It's not the first time. We've heard from the beginning of the pandemic that there were lots of different incentives for hospitals and public health officials to inflate the numbers. You've heard stories of certain numbers actually being corrected down upon second glance, but through certain policies like providing extra funding for hospitals based on the number of COVID patients they had, uh, classifying anybody who died with COVID as dying of COVID. So if you have COVID and you have no symptoms because you're a healthy person and you're young and you just, you don't even know you have it, then you get shot in the head. You go to the hospital, they test you for COVID. They say, yeah, that's a COVID death. Right, so obviously these are some perverse incentives to really tick up those numbers. And now AOC and Schumer, who they might not be the most philosophically astute people. They might not be the, the most capacious minds ever, but they are shrewd politicians. And they know that if you dangle nine grand out in front of people's families and you say, you know, all you got to do, call up that hospital, say your loved one died of COVID. They know that those numbers are going to go up. Why does it benefit them if those numbers go up? One, it creates the sense of crisis. The numbers are all going down. Just like CNN says, what are we going to do now? <laughs> so, you know, we're, we've lost our ratings now that COVID is on the way out. We need something to gin people up. The same is true for politicians who, who, especially on the left, will never let a crisis go to waste. So they've got to continue the sense of urgency. This is something that progressives do generally. According to the progressive view of history, the past is always terrible and the present is always a crisis and the future is always going to be perfect and wonderful. So you got it. You're in that crisis and you've got to harness that kind of energy and anxiety to bring us into that utopian future. And that is certainly what AOC and Chuck Schumer are doing. And they're doing it to great effect. And Republicans don't really know how to counter it. They just don't know how to, to fight that kind of sophistication in politics. Speaking of dishonestly inflating numbers, this is an unrelated story generally, uh, but it, it there is one connection at least. Bernie Madoff died. Bernie Madoff, the most famous Ponzi schemer in history, including Ponzi. 
Bernie Madoff defrauded countless people to the tune of, I don't know what, zillions and zillions of dollars. Right? He's, he's, he is the most fame, infamous fraudster in American history. He was serving a 150 year sentence and he died in prison at, I believe, 82. The reason I mention this, uh, who cares? You know, Bernie Madoff is dead. Okay, that's fine. I, I actually know someone who met Bernie Madoff once in prison and he, he was going and conducting an interview and he said the guy didn't have a hint of remorse. <laughs> so I, I don't know. One can pray for Bernie's, Bernie's soul, but I'm, I, I'm not sure it's looking great for him. The reason I bring it up is to remind you that there are limits to our politics. We, on, on the left, they believe there's no limit to self-actualization, to individual autonomy in the social realm. So there should be no limits on who we sleep with, how we view the country, what property we can take, how we burn things down. There should be no limits whatsoever on our base desires. And then on the right, we have the flip side of that coin, which is there should be no limits whatsoever on my freedom of choice in the marketplace, for instance, or something like that. My freedom of speech, where we now say we're free speech absolutists, even though conservatives have never believed that sort of thing until about five minutes ago. Fraud is not protected speech. When you defraud somebody, you are not engaging in an act of speech that is protected by the First Amendment. Never has been. I hope it never will be. There are limits to the First Amendment. We know that there are limits to the First Amendment. Obscenity, sedition, fighting words, threats, and fraud, most especially. Dante puts the fraudsters in just about the lowest circle of hell. Right, right above the, the traitors to their benefactors, you have the fraudsters. Why? Uh, so th this issue is a little bit personal for me in that I have a relative who was essentially killed by a fraudster. Uh, this relative was defrauded by a, a criminal, you know, by a con artist. And this, the stress of this and, and the devastation basically killed my relative. Th that speech cannot be protected. You do not have the right to dishonest, deceitful, duplicitous speech. And we're not just seeing that on the level of Bernie Madoff. We are seeing that on a whole political level. We're not, it's not even just about CNN trying to gin up the ratings or something. It's about an organized movement in this country on the left to disregard truth. I'm not saying they're, they're even lying. I'm saying they have no concern for the truth whatsoever. They believe as the leftist intellectuals from the mid 20th century believed that there basically is no such thing as truth, that it's all just words, 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 that everything is socially constructed, that our very sex, our human nature is socially constructed and it can be whatever we say that it is. And so if I tell a lie on the left, but I believe it's for a good social purpose, if I defraud people even, but I believe it's for a good social purpose, then that's the moral thing to do. And that is just not true. The moment we we exalt fraud in this country. One of the gravest sins you can possibly commit is the, the moment that we will really, really have lost our country. When I think of who's committing the most fraud around here, it, probably it would be the, the militant radicals on the street. I'm talking about the leftist terrorists burning down our country, notably BLM, because they are torching our country on a lie. In a, and I'm talking about in a very narrow sense. 
the, the BLM riots have been called the 1619 riots by Charles Kessler at the Claremont Review. And Hannah Nicole Jones or Nicole Hannah Jones, whatever her name is, she said she was proud to call the BLM riots, the 1619 riots, the 1619 project, which says that America's, the revolution took place basically because of slavery to protect slavery. That is a, that is fraud. That is a lie that the central thesis of that is not true. It's been debunked by academic historians, but the left doesn't care because to use an Italian expression, if it's uh, not true, it makes a good story. And it makes a useful story for them. And so they are going to push that fraud, even if it means torching the country. Do not do that sort of thing. We like having brick and mortar stores up, but we don't always like going into those brick and mortar stores to get auto parts. That's why you got to check out Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is so much easier than walking into a store and someone demanding quick answers to things like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And then they usually just have to order the part online anyway, because there are so many types of cars, it's impossible to keep them all stocked. You have access to rockauto.com at your desk and in your pocket. The rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Head on over to rockauto.com. Do not subject yourself to that indignity of not knowing what parts you're supposed to get for your car and then they don't have it and they charge you twice as much. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Knowles in there. How did you hear about his box? So they know we sent you. Speaking of fraud and big money, Patrice Cullors, the executive director of Black Lives Matter's Global Network Foundation, says that uh, she is now denying charges that we reported on a few days ago that she is going on a spending spree, buying up nice mansions for herself. BLM has been redubbed Black Lives Manners, or to some people, by large mansions. She's coming out and she's denying this entirely. She says she doesn't even get paid. She says she's received a total of $120,000 since the organization's inception in 2013 for duties such as serving as spokesman, uh, engaging in political education work. She hasn't received a penny after 2019. Now, she's saying it's a right-wing offensive that's putting her and her family at risk, and it continues a tradition of terror by white supremacists against black activists. The lady doth protest too much, methinks. I don't believe her. I don't believe that she hasn't been paid in two years for her job. I don't believe that these reports are just completely fabricated out of nowhere. And by the way, Black Lives Matter of New York City doesn't believe her either. Hawk Newsom who's the leader of BLM in New York City, has called for an independent investigation into Patrice Cullors' finances and operations of the BLM group. Says, quote, if you go around calling yourself a socialist, you have got to ask how much of her own personal money is going to charitable causes. It's really sad because it makes people doubt the validity of the movement and overlook the fact that it is the people that carry this movement. Okay. So now there's infighting among BLM. Love that. Totally love that. But I don't think it's really in earnest. I wish that all of a sudden BLM really cared about the truth, but I don't think that they do. I think that BLM is basically fighting within its own factions over who's going to get the money. This happened in Ferguson. When BLM raked in something like $90 million last year, you heard the family of Michael Brown. You heard the, the Ferguson BLM activists. They said, hey, wait a minute. This isn't fair. You got to cut us in on it. We want a little taste. 
Not that this is wrong to be raising all this money for these dubious political causes. No, they just said, hey, give me a cut. And I suspect that's what BLM is doing here. That is really basic politics. Okay, that is really dirty, bare-knuckle politics. And the, the left is much better at it than Republicans. There, there is a question right now as to whether or not some Republicans are engaging in this. Matt Gates is at the center of one of these issues. We talked about it a little bit last week. Uh, Matt Gates, he's being, he's saying that he's being extorted by someone. People are accusing him of sleeping with teenage girls. Who knows? There, I guess there'll be some investigation. Regardless of the truth of it, CNN is now admitting that they're going to hype this because they want to go after Matt Gates. I don't know. I got, I, yeah, I, okay, can you define propaganda? Okay, I think I know, but like, how, how is it, um, what's the mechanism? If the agenda, say, is to like get, like Matt Gates right now, he's like, like he's Republican, like, uh, he's a problem for the Democratic Party because he's so conservative, right? And he could cause a lot of hiccups in passing the laws. So it's, it would be great for the party to get him out. So we're going to keep running those stories to keep hurting him and make it so that it can't be buried and like just you know settled outside of court and just like you know uh, if we keep pushing that, it's helping us. That's propaganda. It's helping us in some way. It is, of course, and that that is the motivation for why they keep running all these Matt Gates stories is because they feel that Matt Gates is an effective communicator and they, they want to go after him. So it's not about, I'm, I, I don't know whether Matt Gates did what he's accused of doing or whether he's being extorted or whether whatever. That is secondary to the narrative because the left knows that the narrative is very helpful, so they're going to continue to repeat it. So bringing this back to the racial grievance industry like the BLM people, bringing this back to the race hustlers, you're going to see more and more narratives about racial hatred on on campus, especially, even if the left has to contrive them out of whole cloth. Great example of this. Last week, students of color, what color? I don't know. At White Bear Lake High School South Campus in Minnesota were invited into a group chat on Instagram where they were sent threatening and racist messages. Oh man, this is a big deal. These, you know, classic white supremacists in high schools are going in, threatening these students, and this is going to be a big school-wide issue. And then, oh, wait a second. Nope, never mind. Never mind. It's okay. No big deal. Nothing to see here. Let's move on. Why? Because it appears to have been a hoax. I could have told you. I I couldn't have told you with 100% certainty that this was a hoax, but I I would have bet a lot of money that it was a hoax. I actually detail a, a... uh, countless examples of this in my upcoming book, Speechless, available now for pre-order, which is that on issues of race, on issues of sex, y- you hear again and again and again, the racist, there was a, a burning cross, there was a swastika painted, there was the N-word painted all over people's dorms. Oh, it was a hoax. Oh, it was fake. Oh, they made it up themselves. The same thing is true of the, the alleged campus rape epidemic time and time and time again. How many high profile examples do we need? Going back to the Duke lacrosse case of hoaxes here. Why? Why are there hoaxes? Because they know, the left knows that the narrative is extraordinarily valuable and victimhood carries social currency. 
So if you create incentives for that sort of thing, you're going to get a whole lot more of it. That's, that's the way the business works. <laughs> that's the way Grievance Incorporated works. And if you create incentives in the other direction towards, say, virtue, humility, uh, resignation, uh, courage, all of these virtues, prudence, then you will get more of that as well. Why are these students creating the hoaxes? It's not even just the students' fault. It's not that they're total fraudsters. I mean, they are. They are fraudsters. But it's not that this came out of nowhere. It's because that is how they're being educated. That is the indoctrination that they're, they're getting in school from a very young age. It's what they're being taught. The Santa Clara County Office of Education just uh, gave a presentation to educators that had to have these struggle sessions, how to indoctrinate children in this ridiculous racial ideology. Uh, the, the presenter here was a guy named Jorge Pacheco, and this comes to us via Chris Rufo at City Journal. This is what the presenter told the teachers, quote, we have to be extra careful about what is being said, since we can't just say something controversial now that we're in people's homes. Parents can take out of context or see what materials are being used. So we need to be careful of what they see. The kids become a subject and you are intending to awaken them to the oppression that they aren't aware of, but that they are actively participating in. Then how to lead to social change. Wow. This is out of a cartoon that this guy would say this. One, our education is so radical that you have to hide it from parents. The implication here, parents should have absolutely no say in how their children are raised. Only we, the radicals who have taken over the instruments of the state. Only we should have a say in that. And three, false consciousness. This is an idea that was developed by the neo-Marxists after, it comes from the idea of Marx that, that basically you have to awaken the proletariat, the working classes, the oppressed masses to their own oppression. Uh, because the turns out that the working classes tended to have some common sense and they didn't go for the radicals crazy theories. So then beginning with people like Antonio Gramsci, the Italian Marxist philosopher and communist politician, the Frankfurt School, later on the new left, which was led by one of the chief figures from the Frankfurt School. You see this idea really flowering during the second wave of feminism in the 1970s when people would have struggle sessions, no different than the kind of indoctrination people are getting in their workplaces or in their schools right now where, I kid you not, women especially would go into these struggle sessions. They'd feel happy. They'd love their family. They, you know, maybe they'd bring a little uh, Tupperware of some delicious treat they made, right? And they go, they go into the struggle session and they leave extremely irritated and angry and resentful because they had been made aware of their own oppression. There's a very famous essay. I also detail this in my book. There's a very famous essay called called uh, The Personal is Political by Carol Hainish. This is credited with really epitomizing the second wave of feminism, where they celebrate this, where these women celebrate going to the wine and cheese soirees, W-H-I-N-E. And they would go and they'd say, oh, I'm so glad that I'm angry now. I used, I was so happy before this and I loved my family, but I'm so glad now that you radical feminists have given me this resentment, made me aware of my oppression. That is exactly the same thing that this presenter in the Santa Clara County Office of Education is doing. They're saying we need to awaken children to their own resentments. If they're not resentful already, we need to instill resentment in them. Only that way can we have revolution. And not ever working on yourself, just always 
projecting onto the rest of society. If you do want to work on yourself though, you got to check out Total Gym. The Total Gym Fit gives me a full body workout in the comfort of my home for about half the price of those expensive fitness bikes. You can do over 85 exercises on one machine, whether you're a beginner or advanced, they have everything you need to get in the best shape of your life. Burn calories and lose weight. What makes it so effective is that it works every muscle group using 12 levels of resistance. You can work your core, arms, shoulders, biceps, thighs, your whole body. And a complete workout takes just 10 to 20 minutes a day. You know me, I'm not a hulking Adonis, but this is a great, really simple way for a quick way to, to get in shape and to start looking like Chuck Norris and Christy Brinkley, which is what I'm after. Right now, Total Gym is offering a 30-day in-home trial on the Total Gym Fit for just $1. That's it, just $1. What do you have to lose? No matter which Total Gym you try, my listeners can get an additional 20% off whatever discount they're currently running. Head on over to totalgymdirect.com slash Knowles to get this special offer. You have to go to this URL, totalgymdirect.com slash Knowles to get an additional 20% off. Now, Ben is going to be talking about this from the presidential level. Today's going to be talking about why Team Biden thinks America is just terrible. Also, be sure to check out The Candace Show. It's already episode five. No one can get enough Candace Owens and her new show, Candace. So head on over, check it out. This fearless conservative leader hosts a lively series of guests each week for a discussion panel, interviews, and her signature cancel corner. If you look not that closely, you'll see a giant picture of my head there from when that razor company tried to cancel me. Uh, this week, she will be hosting the comedian and podcaster, Adam Carolla. Tune in because you will not want to miss their conversation. The show streams on Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central at dailywire.com. But you can get the audio podcast, Candace, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. So if you need some Candace Owens in your life, head on over, look no further, check out Apple Podcasts or Spotify, subscribe today, be sure to leave a five-star review. We'll be back with a lot more. It's not just the radical leftists who are upending our culture. It's not. It's not just the radical leftists who are destroying our American way of life. It is the neoliberal centrists as well. This is why, you know, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, I'm a liberal, but I'm not a leftist. Uh, okay, I guess that's better. I guess it's better to be a sort of squishy lib rather than a communist. But ultimately, it's all going in the same direction. If you want to conserve stuff, then you got to conserve stuff. I'll give you this great example, though. A Bloomberg writer uh, just published an op-ed and said that basically, we, if we want to stop the immigration crisis, we need to outsource all of our jobs. He writes, quote, the best way to grow Central American economies and thus put an end to asylum crises once and for all is to give companies incentive to locate factories and offices in Central America protectionists aren't going to like that. Yeah. Yeah. People who like their own country aren't going to like that's what, I guess that's what they mean by protectionists. People who think that the American government and American companies ought to prioritize American citizens over foreign nationals. Yes, that's true. We're not going to like that. Well, well, you understand, Michael, if you, if we don't outsource all of our jobs to these third world countries, why then we're going to get lots and lots of people just coming into our country illegally. Okay. So yeah, that's bad. And we, we definitely don't want people to be doing that. What if we though, and I'm, 
I'm just totally spitballing here. What if in order to fix this border crisis, what if we just don't let him in? But Michael, they're, they're seeking asylum from pol- political persecution. First of all, no, they're not. <laughs> they're not. They're not. They're economic migrants who, if they were really fleeing political persecution from Guatemala or El Salvador or Honduras, could stop in any of the countries between their country and the United States. Stop in Mexico, live there, have a good life. No, well, no, they, it'd be better. Let's go a little bit further. Let's go to that really good country called America. Okay. They're not seeking asylum in very, very rare cases. Are they actually seeking asylum? What they're really seeking is better jobs and economic opportunity. Okay. Sure. I get it. I'd, I'd probably want that too, but we can't take in the entire world because then we don't have a country. So that part easy. Well, but Michael, if we, hold on a second, if we don't let them just come into the country, then they might, they'll, they'll just cross illegally. Okay. I hear you. I hear that objection. Uh, so maybe we could, again, right off, this is just off the top of my head, arrest and deport them. What if we do that? What if they come into the country illegally and then we pass measures that require employers, for instance, to, to prove that their employees are citizens. We do not permit foreign nationals to access our very generous public welfare systems. We don't allow illegal aliens to vote like the Democrats want. What if we create incentives for criminal aliens whose first act in this country is to break one of our most basic laws? What if we create incentives for them not to come over and to leave once they've come over? But Michael, the, that would be, I seriously, this guy, one of these guys who, who wrote this op-ed, he responded to me. He said, that would create a PR nightmare. Uh, for whom? PR nightmare by whose standards? If I saw a lot of headlines saying, America actually enforcing our southern border. America turning away the hordes of economic migrants trying to pour over it. America deporting criminal aliens in our country. That, I, I think that would be a PR win. I would be very happy to read those headlines. I think most Americans would be happy to read those headlines. According to surveys not that long ago, Harvard-Harris poll, the majority of Americans, so that includes Democrats too, want to reduce drastically, not just illegal immigration, but also legal immigration. It seems like that would be a huge PR win, but not a PR win for neoliberal rationalists who don't really have very much affection for their country, who don't, who think that nationalism, it's kind of an ugly thing. They're citizens of the world. They, come on, they'll be fine. They can go work anywhere. These Bloomberg writers, they didn't bring their laptop. They can be on a beach somewhere in Bali. It doesn't matter. People who rely on those manufacturing jobs, well, that's too bad, but hey, you know, learn to code. Learn to code. That's not the radical left. That is the establishment. That is the liberal establishment the whole thing, including and especially big business. I don't know. I don't know about you, but when I sit down, I want to relax. I want to indulge a little bit. I open up a pint of ice cream. I don't want my ice cream to call me a white supremacist. That's, that's, I don't ask a lot of my ice cream. I ask for it to be cold, a little bit soft, sweet, maybe have some little chocolate chips in it and not call me a white supremacist. But that would be too much to ask from Ben and Jerry's. So Ben and Jerry's yesterday, famously a liberal brand or a leftist brand, 
They tweet out, quote, the murder of Dante Wright is, he's the guy who was shot by the woman cop while he was under arrest for a, for a weapons charge. And then he fled. The, the murder of Dante Wright is rooted in white supremacy and results from the intentional criminalization of black and brown communities. This system can't be reformed. It must be dismantled and a real system of public safety built from the ground, rebuilt from the ground up. Uh, none of that is true, but m- more to the point, and I, I cannot stress this enough. This is coming from ice cream. <laughs> Nothing they said is true. It's no evidence that he was murdered and no evidence it was rooted in white supremacy. No evidence that we ought to dismantle the entire legal system in this country. Moreover, it's not even those two hippies who's founded the company. Ben and Jerry's is owned by a multinational corporation called Unilever with annual revenue upwards of $60 billion. Why do we tolerate this? Why do we tolerate a multinational corporation coming into our country, trying to undermine our entire legal order? They are saying right here, you need to upend the entire American legal order. Why do we tolerate that? We should, we should punish them for that. <laughs> it is not conservative to, to allow giant multinational corporations with $60 billion in revenue to undermine our whole constitutional republic. Nothing conservative at all. But Michael, the free market. Yeah, okay, great, great. How long is that market going to remain free with radicals like this using American freedom to undermine American freedom? Probably not very long. We are told... Michael, you're, you conservatives, you're worried about slippery slopes. You're to- come on, forget about these slippery slopes. Well, Jen Psaki was just asked about a particular slippery slope. Uh, she was asked by a great reporter out there about uh, the Biden administration's stance on abortion. Uh, li- great question. Listen to the answer. Why does the Biden administration insist that pro-life Americans pay for abortions and violate their conscience? Well, first, that's not an accurate depiction of what happened. So let me, and I know we want to be accurate around here. Uh, none of the funds appropriated under this title shall be used in programs where abortion is a method of family planning. That is written into the Public Health Service Act, and it specifically states that. Indirect subsidies, money that's fungible, that can't be traced. We know that. Come on. That is not how it works. That is the law. So I'm stating what the law is and how it is implemented legally by these organizations. And the reason I, though, since you gave me the opportunity, uh, the reason why the president took these steps is because uh, he believes that uh, advancing equity for all, including people of color and others who have been historically underserved, marginalized, and adversely affected by persistent poverty and inequality can be helped by these actions and by focusing on advancing equity in the Title X program, we can create opportunities for the improvement of communities that have been historically underserved. Well, the community that's most historically underserved are these babies who are being killed. And even on the racial grievance front, it's specifically little black babies who are disproportionately being attacked. So she completely ignores the question. She, she, denies basic facts of money, for instance, right? She says, no, no money is going to this sort of thing. And the reporter says, well, you know, money is fungible. So (laughs) this is why it was always so ridiculous when people would say the federal government isn't giving money to abortion. Is the federal government giving money to Planned Parenthood? Yes. Is Planned Parenthood an abortion mill? Yes. 
So the federal government's giving money to abortion. No, because they're only the money the federal government's giving. That's only going toward the pens and the pencils and the copy machines. Well, that's not how money works. Money is fungible. So you just get money and you put it in a bank account and you don't say, okay, but this dollar has to go here or there. A reminder that the conservatives who have worried about the slippery slope, who have voiced opinions about this, have been called kooks and hysterics from, for decades now, they were right about everything and they continue to be right about everything. And what the, the left is hoping is that they can just run out the clock on us. They say, look, we, we just have to, we have to open the border. We have, we have to outsource the American jobs. We have to kill babies in the womb. We have to give money to kill babies in the womb. We have to redistribute all that we have. To, it's just, this is the science. It's the science of progress. It's the science of history. We don't have to. The reason those things are happening is because there's big money and big political power at play. And it's a money grab and it's a power grab. But we can try to take some of that back. Try to take some that money back and some of that power back from the woke corporations who are undermining our country, from the radicals who are undermining our country from within the government, from, from the public health administration, which has now become the established church of the United States. Another slippery slope example. Headline comes out yesterday in the technology review, MIT technology review. Scientists plan to drop the 14 day embryo rule, which is a key limit on stem cell research. So what is this rule? There is an ethical limit under which, quote, scientists have agreed never to allow human embryos to develop beyond two weeks in their labs. That is the point at which a spherical embryo starts to form a body plan, which is deciding where the head will end up and when the cells begin taking on specialized missions. I bet many people didn't even know that scientists do this, that scientists permit the development of little human beings to to perform experiments on them for two weeks, and then they kill them. And that is horrifying enough. But now what they're doing is they're just going to ditch that rule and they're going to let them grow. And there's going to be a separate cast of babies, poor, unfortunate babies who are going to be grown for the pleasure of perverts and psychopaths in lab coats to try to improve their own lives. Not the lives of the babies. They will be killed when they're no longer useful. This is as ghastly a turn of events as can possibly happen. And it's not inevitable. It's not part of the inevitable march of science and progress. We can just stop it. We can pass laws against this. And it is, this is not an overreach of government. This is not anti-conservative. It is very conservative to prevent these psychos in lab coats from performing experiments on human babies that they will now allow to grow without limit, without any sort of ethical guideline. We need to really rethink, what does it mean to be a conservative? And if the squishes don't want to come along, I don't want them. Liz Cheney, one of the most sickening members of Congress, I don't know how else to put it, sickening, so contemptuous of her own party, so transparent in where her principle, such as it is, really lies. She was asked on Neil Cavuto's show, she said, hey, if Trump is the nominee in 2024, would you, let's, I'm not saying you're going to support him in the primaries. I'm not saying you like the guy. If he were the nominee though, versus some insane leftist Democrat like Kamala Harris or somebody, would you vote for him over that radical Democrat? Guess her answer. If Donald Trump were the 2024 nominee, would you support him? 
I would not. Okay, Liz Cheney. There it is. She would not. This woman is in a minor leadership position in the GOP, but a, a leadership position nonetheless. So you got the left. The left is now openly uh, not just raising our taxes, though they're going to do that, calling to pack the Supreme Court to add four justices to it. They're preparing a bill to do that right now. But, but the constitutional norms, they tell us when Trump sends a tweet. Now they're going to completely upend the Supreme Court. They are, they've turned Washington, D.C. into something resembling downtown Fallujah or Baghdad. Maybe, maybe that's why Liz Cheney likes it so much. Looks, it, you talk about a coup. It sure looks like a coup in Washington, D.C. right now. They are now openly advocating the chemical castration of children for their social engineering purposes. They are advocating, they're, they're defending the burning down of our cities through the terrorist organization BLM. They are supporting subsidies for abortion. And now they're experimenting on little babies who can grow without end. And Liz Cheney says, that's great. That's great. I'm not, yeah, okay. I'm going to also, I would rather support that than vote for the orange man. Why? Well, because I guess she hates him and she's going to make her pride an idol and she's going to vote more on the basis of her pride than any principle or anything good for the country or because she doesn't actually care about any of that stuff or because she is just what, what I've called on this show a, a court jester conservative. She is a liberal who sort of pretends to be a conservative on certain minor issues and in so doing legitimizes the dominant liberal regime. Either way, really bad stuff that this woman has a position in GOP leadership. Amazon is pulling another book off its shelves. Only a matter of time before <laughs> Amazon pulls my book. Speechless, controlling words, controlling minds off. <laughs> I just wanted to hear the bell ring again. They're pulling another one. You, you remember a, a few weeks ago, maybe it was a month ago at this point, Ryan Anderson's hilariously titled book, When Harry Became Sally, responding to the transgender moment. That was pulled off of Amazon very quietly. Amazon didn't really give an answer as to why that was done. The reason for that, we all realize, is because the book presents a very sober case to challenge the dominant leftist narrative on sex and the leftist religious view on human nature, which is now Gnostic dualism, the idea that my body has nothing to do with who I really am. There's another book on the same issue. Desist, Detrans, and Detox, Getting Your Child Out of the Gender Cult by Maria Keffler, who, while we're plugging books, I guess I, I, I guess I have to read her book because if it's considered that dangerous by the liberal regime, then it's probably a pretty good book. Amazon is not the government. So you're going to hear some squishes, some court jester conservatives say, hey, it's, if Amazon's a private company, build your own Amazon. Yeah, they're responsible for something like 80% of the books sold in the world. Yeah, they just dominate the marketplace. They, they exert a totally outsized influence on the economy. But private company, you can't do anything. Come on, you know, build your own Twitter, build your own YouTube, build your own parallel government of woke corporations, to use the term of Mitch McConnell. Even Mitch McConnell, even an establishmentarian like McConnell, recognizes the threat that this poses. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Some people say. You can still order Mein Kampf on Amazon, but you can't order these books that are very soberly taking a look at the transgender issue. Right. Because the left is not threatened by Mein Kampf. The, right, the, the left is not threatened by Adolf Hitler. 
Actually, they benefit from keeping Hitler at top of mind so they can call all their opponents Nazis. They are threatened by serious common sense arguments that expose their ridiculous ideology for what it is. So they're going to ban it. They're pulling that book. Why? Well, it's just, that's their standard. By the way, I'm not totally against, as I've, I think I've made this point pretty clear. I'm not totally against some limits on speech. I don't think you ought to be able to defraud people. I don't think you ought to be able to engage, engage in sedition. I don't think that you ought to be able to engage in fighting words. I don't think you should be able to, to engage in that stuff. However, that uh, is a, a separate standard, right? What we're really talking about here is not free speech versus censorship. We're talking about two competing sets of standards. Ashley Babbitt. Bobbitt? Babbitt? What was it? She was the woman who was killed during the Capitol Hill riot. The DOJ has decided it will not seek criminal charges into the shooting of Ashley Babbitt. Why not? Should, do, do we believe that the, the officer who killed Ashley Babbitt should be thrown in jail? Probably not. Uh, you know, was it an excessive use of force? Maybe it was. They were entering into, a, you know, the capital. That's a, that's a big problem. So perhaps, uh, you know, you can, you can look into the issue one way or the other. My only, my only issue here is we know the name of the officer who killed Dante Wright. We know the name of the officer who killed George Floyd. We don't know the name of the officer who killed Ashley Babbitt because it doesn't advance the narrative, doesn't advance any sort of propaganda here. That's a double, that's the real standard that we're living under. By the way, we've got to uh, report here on Florida, some good news. Very rarely do we get good news to end on. On Monday, Florida state health officials revealed that the state has recorded a single digit increase in COVID-19 related deaths for the first time in almost seven months. The state health department said seven more Floridians and two additional non-residents have died due to COVID-19. Very sad that these people have died but pretty good that it is uh, so low. But this doesn't make sense. Florida's been open basically the whole time. What's that about? Very, very strange stuff. Quote, over the past two weeks, a daily reported COVID deaths across the state have ranged between 22 and 98. Not 2,200, not 22,000, 22 and 98. The week-to-week reported deaths have been on a slow decline since January. Just five new coronavirus deaths in Florida were reported uh, September 28th. Wow. That's pretty great. Can't beat that stuff, folks. So that's the good news. You're not going to hear that from the mainstream media. You're not going to hear that from CNN because they are going to be pushing propaganda where there's a lot of big money and a lot of big power. Perhaps we should try to take that power back. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Bory. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. 
and production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, President Biden and his top staffers continue to lie like a rug about endemic American racism. Prosecutors declined to charge a cop in the death of Ashley Babbitt while moving forward with charges against a cop in the death of Dante Wright. And the activist media moved to pressure corporations to echo the racial resentment politics of the Democratic Party. There's a lot there. Tune in. You'll enjoy it. Hey, 